judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Yeah, Happy New right? Year. Right? Yeah. This is our New Year episode. I'm like, what what day, what day is it? But yeah, this is <laughs> we're our recording New Year all sorts of stuff and it's all out of order. Mm-hmm. So we're <laughs> we're a little confused, but pretty sure you're right. This is the uh, first episode of the new year. The first big reputation of the new year. How was your holidays? How was your Christmas? How was your crisis? How was your Chrysler? <laughs> so we uh, we traveled for Christmas. It was a quick travel. We visit mm-hmm. Sean's family. We visit my mother. And then we visit my father. And we came back. We rented from Avis this time instead of Hertz. Just oh, because never it was cheap. From Avis. It was actually, we got it on Expedia because everything mm. else was so expensive. And yeah. it wasn't, it was still like ridiculous. Um, I mean, between the gas and the, all of that. We probably paid about $200 a day equivalent. Oh, yeah, okay. it was a lot. But we went to the Avis downtown Brooklyn. It's kind of by where the old Barnes & Noble was. And the movie oh, theater. Oh, yeah, by Michael's. Yeah, I saw that randomly one day. Like, I was walking to work from the bus. And I was like, there's a car rental place over here? And like, I was like, in the middle of downtown, yeah. Yeah. So we got there and there's a whole bunch of people waiting inside just sitting. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh no. And there was one guy in front of us and he's like, what do you mean there's no cars? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're like, well, we have two pickup trucks, but like, he's like, well, that's not going to work for me. And she said, well, we've got a shuttle that's coming. And I guess I'm assuming taking them to like an airport location where they had more Ooh. cars or whatever. So everybody was sitting there waiting for this shuttle to show up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. All right, here we go. We're just going to be nice. It's the holidays. We're getting in there. And so she said the same thing. We walked up and she's like, yeah, you know, I said, we're here to pick up a car. I said, and we're not picky about what kind. (laughs) She's like, well, we've got two pickup trucks. And I was like, whichever one is smaller, that's the one I would like, please. So (laughs) it was a Nissan Frontier. It was not a big vehicle at all. I don't even understand how that happens. Like people make reservations. What do you mean you don't have them? I don't know. I, I agree with you. Like if yeah. you're if you're taking a certain number of reservations, you should make mm-hmm. sure you have that many cars on hand. I don't know how that works. But I was like, I am not sitting here waiting for a shuttle that will then take us to an airport, pro- presumably JFK, which would be even yeah. further away. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I was like, yeah, we'll take the pickup truck. It's fine. <laughs> so, so that funny. day we happened to both be wearing like flannel shirts for traveling (laughs) so we're wearing flannel shirts driving a pickup truck going to maine and new hampshire oh my god (laughs) you look like you were like reverse delivering apples and then when i like went through the toll in new hampshire and i said happy holidays the lady seemed all taken aback so i was like clearly like a couple of white people in flannels driving a pickup truck shouldn't we be saying merry christmas (laughs) instead of happy holidays Oh my god! I like forget that that's a thing sometimes because I'm just like happy holidays because it's all of them, right? Exactly. You know? That's like I'm that's not gonna see you for New Year's, and I'd like to say Happy New Year's, but like here we are. I, I forget <laughs> that there are people who are like keep Christ in Christmas. Yeah, yeah, there are, and we also managed to do it without paying tolls. Like we set the 
the drive from our oh wow to like out of the city there is a way out of the city with no mm-hmm. tolls um and it wasn't terribly long either i was about to ask like did it add like six hours to your trip that's kind of crazy no i it was like maybe 15 minutes it added and it could have just mm-hmm. been the luck of the traffic that day but you know you go up through the bronx and okay. then like george and then you washington get on the, or something on the parkways okay i've done that yeah. well i haven't done that my husband's done that i was like i've I'm but still not great about driving. If my phone is navigating us anywhere in the future, remind me to take it off. Avoid tolls. <laughs> like, oh my god! What like, your what, wedding? wedding? <laughs> I because like when I learned to drive, like I always put like avoid highways. So when we're driving to like our wedding venue for rehearsal, like Rebecca drove because like I had my permit, but I was like I mm, still not great. But like I had the navigation set up, and it's in Jersey, and like it's telling us to take these streets, and I'm just like. No, I've done this ride a bunch of times. We're just supposed to get on this highway. And we're like driving around and we're like, what the hell is this? And then I was like, why is it saying it takes five hours to get there? Like, it shouldn't take that long. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's on avoid highways. That's why it's taking so long to get there. And then it was like, oh, okay, you'll be there in like 45 minutes. And I was like, thank God. That like, is so I was much freaking better. Out. I was because first off, you were a little bit late. You were like 10 minutes late. Mm-hmm. And then like, I was like, everything's ruined. Like, because we had a bunch of people and it was like we had two different like little caravans it was a fun little jaunt though but yeah avoid highways is avoid highways avoid tolls make sure you really mean it when those are so for christmas over here um i went to go see the color purple with my mom and it was amazing and everyone who went to the theater like the theater it was sold out it was like christmas morning 11 a.m. sold out. Wow. Black people dressed up in purple. I was like, I didn't even think to wear purple. Like, I feel like I failed. But it was great. Like, there was a little bit too much audience participation. I went to an Alamo and it's supposed to be quiet. But I was like, I'll I'll allow it today. I'll allow Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Um, But it was just fun. It was a good time. The movie's fantastic. There's such good performances. I am hoping for oscar nominations for um daniel brooks and taraji prehensen and fantasia like i'm hoping like i think they did such they did such an amazing job like i loved it and like it's tough subject matter right like we've done sophia from the color purple and like daniel brooks is playing sophia and she's fantastic and then they'll be like really tough subject matter and then it'll go into like a song and dance and it's not weird Okay. Like it doesn't feel forced or anything. Like it's it's a musical because it's based on the musical, the Broadway musical. Um, and a lot of people were like, I didn't know this was gonna be a musical, and I was like, bitch, I don't know how, but like here we are. So like <laughs> it was fantastic. I really loved it. Um awesome. and then after Christmas, because my husband didn't have off for Christmas, but two days after Christmas he had off. So we drove to his family in Jersey and we like hung out there, literally just like in pajamas eating all day playing categories it was very very fun that's I feel the best like I, way i like surprise because i'm like i love my in-laws but i'm like still slightly intimidated by them so i feel like i don't chat as much because they have like very good conversations and i'm just like did you read the new britney spears book like i just feel like kind of dumb sometimes so like i think i like surprise my father-in-law with my like category like you know i am very good at like categories what's the Mm -hmm. one like heads up like i'm good with like guessing games like that and i think i surprised him like he was like flabbergasted at a couple of points and i was like yeah got him like (laughs) i'm smart like there was one it was like um famous duos or trios 
and like the letter was F for categories. And like no one had anything. And I was like Frankenstein and his monster and his like head literally shook. Like he was just like, what? And I was like, yeah, Frankenstein and his monster. I did that. That's right. I didn't say Frankenstein and the doctor because I know better. <laughs> because I know that the monster. Yes, exactly. Like it was, it was great. Yes. That's fun. I was very proud of myself. Um, so that was a really fun trip. I did drive Christmas Eve Eve. I decided it'd be a good night to go to the Lights and Diker Heights in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. It was not. It was not. I was like, oh, everyone's doing something. No, everyone was there. Oh, Everyone was there. Really? There was no, I was like, you know what? I'll just like park in a hydrant. I could have parked in a hydrant because like there were like a couple of cops, but there was so much traffic that there were no cops walking around giving tickets. Like they, I, we wouldn't have gotten towed, but it was just like, there were lots of people. It was very intimidating. The lights were nice, but like it was mostly just honking and then people walking out into the street mm-hmm. and me trying to look at the lights and also not hit tiny children in the street. Right. Yeah. Like people were like, the sidewalks are crowded, so we'll walk in the street. And I was like, you can't do that. You it's can't still do a that. street. There are still it's cars. still a street. Like I'm, I'm here, and I'm really trying like not to hit you. Like I'm such a new driver that sometimes I'm like, which one's the brake? So like that's not good. Like you can't. I don't know. I was very good at navigating through tiny spots because like people would like block the road and not like leave you space to get through. So I feel like it was a a real test, and I think I, I did well. So was your plan to just drive through there or were you planning to park and walk around and couldn't? I was planning to park and walk around and couldn't. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to park at a hydrant. And then I got there and I was like, I can't park in a hydrant. It's against the rules. <laughs> I, and then I at some point the I was like, I was like, let's just do it. We'll find a hydrant. And then I couldn't find any hydrants. And then it was like, we had been there stuck in traffic for so long that like we had plans to like meet my husband when he got out of work for dinner. So I went with a couple of friends and they were going to meet him for dinner. And then it was like, hey, I'm at the restaurant. Where are you? And I was like, we're 15 minutes away. So like, whatever. But there was so much traffic. It was like, we're a half an hour away. Sorry, like wait for us. But then the restaurant was busy. It's like this Italian restaurant. And I was like, all the Italians are going to be home doing christmas shit they were not they were all at this restaurant and i was like it's christmas eve eve christmas eve this place would have been dead right christmas right. eve eve everyone was there so it right, was like because no one wants wait. to cook because they're about to be cooking they're for about the next to like cook. three days <laughs> yeah and i was just like oh okay so now because i kind of want to make it like a tradition like we've done it before but we've always gone earlier mm-hmm. and like it just didn't work out like a friend of mine is in like nursing school and like she could not do anything after class or work it was like i have no free time but like her break started like on the 20th so i was like boom let's go this day like i'll rent a car and it was just like it wasn't chaos (laughs) it was it was chaos but it was like not painful chaos like it was fun like a fun time was had we saw some good lights i was like i didn't get pictures of anything because like i was busy driving but now we know to do it like earlier in the year for sure yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've only done it once and it was like six years ago, I think. Mm. My nephew is eight. So I think he was two when we did it. Maybe he was only one year. It and gets bigger every year. So it's you. Well, be, they, were gonna come, they were going to come this year and we were going to do it. But um, things got all swapped around and, mm. and they ended up coming after Christmas. But just for a quick overnight, mm. which was a lot of fun because, you know. My nephew like played video games with Sean and then my sister and I just like hung out in the bedroom and talked and Aww, I, I like was that. like, yeah, I, I felt like I needed it, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like that 
that's one of those things that I think we don't do a lot anymore. And I don't know if that's an age thing, uh, a 21st century thing, a generational thing, uh, just we're adults and so life is busy. But like mm-hmm. just going to someone's house and hanging out for the sake of hanging out, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I feel like it always has to be a thing. Like, oh, I'm having an open house or you're having a game night or we're mm-hmm. going or we meet somewhere for drinks that's outside of our house. I'm like, just come over to my house and hang out and talk to me while I'm folding my laundry. Like that's what I, I want. I do like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm like, I think I'm trying to become like, Hey, want to run this errand with me, girl? Like want to go to Costco? Like I have things that I need to do, but it would be better if there was someone else with me. Like right? just like, come come with me you know mm-hmm. like i i like sitting in people's houses but at some point i'm just like wow i could have been doing these other things i needed to do so now i think i'm going to become the friend who's like run this errand with me i mean that's okay too right like cause yeah. to me it's it's really just about like i don't even need to like costco i don't need to buy anything at costco i'm not gonna buy mm-hmm. anything at costco but it'd be cool to like hang out and chat with you or yeah you know whatever Anyway, I think we need more of that in our lives. So it was nice to just like sit with her for like two hours, maybe a little more and just talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> that was my holiday. The holidays were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we, no complaints. Do we, do we want to talk about Gypsy Rose or do you just want to move into the episode? I mean, I have nothing to say about her, but if you do <laughs> or we can I put her off, I don't know. Uh. Or if you don't, don't want to give her platform. She's already got it and it's frustrating me. So maybe that's, I need to talk about the frustration of her having a platform for me. So maybe we will talk about Gypsy Rose. So I don't know if you've been under, oh no, now Google's like Googling her. Get out of here, phone. Um, Gypsy Rose. I don't know how much people know about her. I think it seems like everyone knows about her from social media, but she, um, she was abused as a kid. Her mom basically did a what is it munchausen by proxy like yeah. made her think that she had all these illnesses and like at some point like her teeth were falling out from the medication she was giving her like she was a make-a-wish kid like there's a movie with um patricia arquette i forgot what it's called that like details a lot of it so basically like she was really abused and she managed to like reach out to people on the internet when she realized that she was being abused and she like found this dude and became he became her boyfriend and she convinced him that like her mom needed to be murdered so he killed her mom he stabbed her a bunch of times um he's in jail for life and because of all the abuse and because she actually didn't technically do it she only got about like i think she's supposed to get 10 years in prison but it like boiled down to about seven so she's out and she's free she's married cool 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 you were abused. I totally get it. She's still a murderer, though. And the thing that I'm not loving is the uh, the icon status that she's getting. Because there were many other ways out of her situation. Like, she could have convinced this guy to rob a bank and move them to Hawaii. She could have convinced this guy to steal a car and drive as far away as possible. Like, her mom was an evil person, but she should maybe be in jail and not murdered. And that's not a decision that she should have been able to and make. And I think like the one thing I did see, cause I didn't see a lot, but the one thing I did see was her saying, I realized now that my mom should have been in jail rotting and not 
mm-hmm. dead. And like, so I guess there is like, she was a kid as far as I know, yeah. right? She was young, which I guess is probably, you know, did something to the sentence too. She was young. Um, Cause she was on, she, I think you're where you're quoting is from the view. Cause I saw that and I was like, why is she on the view? Like, I don't like, in my opinion, I feel like she's a bit, wiser than we're all thinking like she grifted this guy into committing this crime for her and he's gonna spend his life in prison and she's free she should take her life be very very grateful that the court system was so lenient with her and go somewhere and be happy and start over change your name have kids get a job whatever you want to do join the circus whatever you want to do do it quietly because i feel like it's a real like like a but, slap in the face to like people who are in jail. Capitalism is knocking on her door, right? Like I think hey, that she should you ignore got out. it. You, yeah. I, I but I can see how it might be difficult if you like never held a job, you were a kid, you would like there's this like, oh, if you yeah. just tell us your story, then we'll, we'll give, give you money. You blah blah blah. And it's it sucks. And it's I don't support it. And I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, it gives me Casey Anthony vibes. Like Casey Anthony is always doing some kind of mini series documentary. Her parents are currently doing one, and I'm like, you were involved in a murder. Like I don't think you should be profiting. And because Casey Anthony wasn't convicted of any crimes, she can make money off of all of this. I'm not sure if it's the same with Gypsy Rose. I feel like they get around a ways of like paying you for things. Like I don't know if she was paid to go on the View, but like there's endorsements that she can get. Like I'm just like. I feel like I'm going to wake up and she's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. And I feel like it's so... Like, I'm not a conservative person, but this feels so inappropriate that this person who aided in someone else's murder is on The View, is, like, being called this icon. Like, it just... It bothers me. And, I, I mean, I don't know her relationship with her mom wasn't great, but, like, she still murdered her mom. Like, that was her... I mean, her caregiver and torturer at some point. But, like... I don't think she needs therapy and to go sit somewhere quietly. Like, I don't want to see her out in public having a good time. Like, you're not in prison. That's the that's the benefit. So so basically what you're saying is that you don't think that she's someone who should be redeemed. Oh, absolutely not. We will never cover her on this episode. No, she had different, like, I thought about it because I was like, well, you know, we covered Centoya Brown and she technically is a murderer as well. But hers was much as a different circumstance like it was self-defense even if people say it, was like, it wasn't self-defense because it was like delayed because like there was this altercation with this man and then like maybe she stabbed him in his sleep she was sex trafficked and like he was he bought her mm-hmm. so like i feel like it's very very different also she served way more time in prison yeah yeah and oh. she didn't get out easily like the like gypsy rose sentence just ended like Sintoya had to like appeal 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 like mm-hmm it's very different. And oh, sure. also, when's the last time you heard from Centoya Brown? No, she, she is quietly somewhere living her life. And that's what I think Gypsy Rose should be doing. She did have I a book. I don't think she's an but, icon. Yes. But, um, and she speaks at like, um, she speaks at prisons and stuff. But Well, that's different than Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I don't think she's going to do it. But like, I, I'll say it right now. If it comes up, I'm going to be so disgusted. I can see it happening. I can already see it. The way that the media... And the public are like swarming and being like, she was a victim and she deserves nothing but the best. And it's like, yes, but the fame and fortune, like, I don't want to see her at the MTV Awards. Like, it just, so it's glamorizing like murder. I don't, 
I don't get it. Like I just, I just don't get it. So I think that's funny that you say all of this because uh, we have gotten some pushback about <laughs> this episode that we're about to do but from yes. friends who we we mentioned the the character because we're doing a fictional character today. Mm-hmm. So that is different than real life. First and foremost, we want to like put that out there, of course. Um, but we definitely you didn't got know. Some... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean in how we tackle it, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I think that's sort of the mentality for some people here is like, no, this character is not redeemable because mm-hmm. of her primary objective. Whether yes. she did or didn't actually murder puppies, As she, she didn't intended succeed. to. And but so, she didn't succeed. like, there's pushback. Like, is mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, uh, like, aiding and abetting in a murder of dogs right and so she shouldn't be redeemed and so like i see the pushback in either case but because this is a fictional character i think that gives us a lot more leeway to work with uh, of course redeeming her right and so that's why we're tackling her anyway <laughs> who are we tackling i've been talking all about her but i didn't say who she was yeah <laughs> Okay, well, I guess we should do that. So today we're going to be discussing Corella DeVille and all of her origin stories throughout various forms of media. We'll talk about how other characters viewed and treated her and how those relationships or lack thereof affected her. Then we're going to dive into how audiences viewed her over the years. Lastly, we'll discuss her motivations and how we think she saw herself. So just a spoiler alert for uh, any of the 101 Dalmatian stories, really, but especially for the 2021 film Cruella starring Emma Stone. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It's on Disney Plus. Come back when you're done um, or be prepared to have like the whole thing spoiled for you. Also, trigger warnings for murder, but we already talked about murder. So (laughs) sorry if that's triggering for you. We've ruined it. So did you know that there is a book, like not like a retelling of the Disney film book, but an actual novel? Well, there is. 101 Dalmatians was written by Dodie Smith and published in 1956. It's an approximately 200 page book. uh, And I skim read most of it. (laughs) (laughs) It was originally published as a serial in Women's Day magazine and titled The Great Dog Robbery. Um, but then all compiled together under the title 101 Dalmatians. There's even a star, uh, a sequel called The Starlight Barking. And like, so I started looking at the wiki page of this and I was like, this is wild. I don't even know what is happening. It, I can't even explain it, but go check out the wiki page and see what the sequel of 101 Dalmatians is going to be all about. <laughs> And did Disney pick it up from this? From this yes. Women's Day magazine? How um, random. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, Disney's known for their adaptations of, mm-hmm. like, fairy tales. So they did Cinderella and Snow White and Sleeping yeah. Beauty and all that. But this one was a quick turnaround, right? The movie actually came out in 1961. So it was less than oh, wow. five years later. Or about five years later. Yeah. That is funny. So anyway, the book is a bit different from the film adaptation. So I'll give you a quick rundown before getting on to uh, focusing on Cruella DeVille herself. Okay. So in the book, Dalmatians Pongo and Mrs. 
That's key. Her name is different. Uh, mm. They live with a married couple called the Dearlies and their two nannies, Nanny Cook and Nanny Butler. So Mr. Dearly apparently is a financial wizard who doesn't have to pay taxes because he helped out. He helped wipe out the national debt. <laughs> Sounds nice. <laughs> I love that uh-huh. as like a subplot line. <laughs> They're like, you know what? You don't have to pay anything anymore. Like you did all of this. So one day the couple runs into Mrs. Dearly's old schoolmate, Cruella DeVille. She's really, really rich. She's married to a furrier. Not to be confused with a furry. <laughs> yes. So a furrier is like like a leather maker, like someone who like cuts off like fur and like makes stuff out of it, basically. Right. Yeah. So she expresses her admiration for Pongo and Mrs. Mrs.? Mm-hmm. Yes, for Pongo and Mrs. And expresses her desire to have a Dalmatian skin coat. Like you do when you meet someone. (laughs) What if someone was just like, I've always wanted blue eyes. You've got blue eyes. How about I just take those off your hands? Like, that's so weird. (laughs) Later, Mrs. gives birth to 15 puppies, but that's too many to feed. So the humans get a canine wet nurse. No joke. (laughs) Rich people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes and no, right? Because she is a stray. She's a stray okay. Dalmatian who has recently given birth, but has lost her puppies. Um, oh, which, so they're helping the stray out. Listen, sorry, yes. I apologize. The humans name her Perdita for lost. So in the movie, we have Pongo and Perdita, right? We don't mm. have Pongo and Mrs. This is where the name Perdita comes from. Hmm. Okay. So Corella wants the puppies, and when she finds out that they're not for sale, she hires two thieves, Jasper and Saul. Saul is renamed to Horace in all the film adaptations, but for the book, he's Saul. Um, so she hires those two to steal them for her. Pongo and Mrs. use the twilight barking chain to communicate with other dogs and track down their puppies. They then journey across the English countryside in search of them. Eventually, they find their own puppies along with 82 others for a grand total of 97 puppies. Mm-hmm. She was hoarding them away. Also, she's like really thin. Like how many coats was she going to make? Or they well, were she small, was so thin so... she wanted to make a big warm coat. <laughs> yeah, and they're like really small, so they probably... Don't. Mm-hmm. There's not much square footage. Yeah. I wonder if someone has done the creepy math of how many puppies it would actually take to make. I'm um, sure. <laughs> that I'm sure coat. someone. Because in the movie with Glenn Close, I think it's the Glenn Close movie, mm-hmm. she talks about adding a hood to the coat. And so she needs like three more puppies for that. Is that in the movie? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, I don't know. I have consumed so many adaptations of 101 Dalmatians over you the last week. Puppy brain. <laughs> anyway, Cruella fears a, a police investigation and tells the thieves to kill and skin the dogs. Pongo overhears this and leads all the puppies to freedom. Cruella chases them through the countryside, trying to get them back. Pongo and Mrs. make it back to London with the puppies, where they find Perdita still with the humans. So side note, even if you're not a math scientist yourself, you've probably figured out that our total among the puppies and the dogs only comes out to 100 Dalmatians. So that's 97 puppies and three dogs. Well, apparently Perdita has a husband and the humans take him in as well. So that's where we get 101. Mm hmm. So why did the Dearlies keep all of the puppies? That's the question. Because they're crazy hoarders. <laughs> they're weird. Well, yes, perhaps. But uh, apparently these puppies were actually bought and not stolen besides theirs. Their 15 were stolen. But the other puppies were all purchased. Um, and so they don't have any other owners at this point. 
So why didn't she just buy 15 more puppies? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or make a cropped coat. Like, what were you doing? Like, your whole plan relied on these 15. It ruined everything because she had enough. Mm-hmm. And then she got greedy. She could have had a nice little, like, bomber jacket of puppies. <laughs> puppy bomber jacket. I'm puppy, here for puppy it. Puppy bomber jacket. Um, so the deer leads, like, they decide to keep them, but their apartment is too small. So they buy Cruella's countryside house uh, that she was forced to put up for sale. And they start, like, a dynasty of Dalmatians. What a plot twist. <laughs> that house must smell so bad. Well, in all the film adaptations, all the dogs are outside. So I don't know. They would have to be. <laughs> but you talk about plot twists. We forgot to mention the cat. There's a cat in this book. Apparently, Cruella had a cat, and it was a Persian long-haired cat, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this cat apparently got pregnant a whole bunch of times, but with, like, strays from the street. It wasn't, like, purebred, whatever. Um, And this cat has been longing to avenge her many litters of kittens because Cruella drowned them. (laughs) So the cat helps the Dalmatians. (laughs) You're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't try and redeem her. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of... uh... (laughs) I mean, I'm a dog person more than a cat person, but like the idea of drowning a cat sounds so horrible. Yeah. So this cat helps the Dalmatians sabotage Corella's husband's entire stock of furs before they go home and like find the dearlies again. They're like, oh, yeah, it was like a a side quest. Let's go destroy all the furs. I mean, how do they destroy it? They just like chew it all up. Chew it up, pee on on it, it. whatever. (laughs) What? This is this place is a you should uh, ch- listen hazmat zone. This is disgusting. <laughs> any of you who have not read this book, like, please just do me a favor and check it out because you think you know the story from the animated movie, but this mm-hmm. book does so many wild things. <laughs> Why would anybody write this? <laughs> What's should we should we check on that? Uh, what is her name? Smith? Like, is she Jody okay? Smith. Like, are you a right ma'am? <laughs> she. Yeah, she had a she had her own Dalmatian, so maybe she was protective. I don't know. A hundred and one peats. That would be annoying as fuck. Like honestly, I love my dog, but like a hundred and one of him, I would not get, be able to get anything done. Like the walks alone and the feeding and then the just hold me time and like play time. Listen, that's a full time job. That's that's a full time job for multiple people. That's I always say like anything more then three pets is weird. Unless like, you have like a farm. No. Then I'll yes, give you that. Okay. But then they're like, then you have a farm and it's like, you have a cow. Cow's not really your pet, you know? But like, <laughs> well, I know somebody who would argue with that. <laughs> have like a house or an apartment and you have more than three kinds of an animal. Red flag. Okay. Red flag. Like people are like, I have five cats. Mm, I'm never coming to your house. It's weird. It's too much work. And if, if you have a job too, it's too much work. All right. Something's going to fall through the cracks. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, back to Cruella and not just my feelings about multiple animals. Because sometimes you need two so they have a buddy. Yes. And the third one is just cute. Who doesn't love a little trio, a little threes company? Before, now, now you have like an army against you. No. <laughs> So we realized that none of this, the, the cat drownings, and that should have been a trigger warning. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Animal cruelty. 
cat drownings, the skinnings, all of that. None of that looks good for our redemption of Cruella, right? But like, stick with us. We'll see if we can get you to at least, you know, see another side of this character. Now, if you're like us, and most people were guessing, you're probably familiar with the Cruella DeVille from the Disney animated adaptation um, that was released in 1961. The plot there is pretty similar, but there are a few key differences. Right. So first of all, Cruella DeVille is, as far as we're aware, in the movie, a single woman, and she's not married to a furrier, right? Um, mm. Or a furry. Or a furry. She's not married to a furry either. She's a single lady. Um, Mrs. I thought you were going to sing it. <laughs> it was in my head, but... All the single ladies, all the single ladies. And she's like shaking a, a cat instead of... <laughs> instead of her hand that's so alarming (laughs) uh mrs and perdita are combined into one character right so we get a lot of the actions and characteristics of mrs but perdita is the name and there's some elements there in the movie roger is a songwriter and not some financial wizard named mr dearly in the film there's only one nanny instead of two because budget i guess (laughs) so roger's song about corella brings them enough money to buy a big house in the country for all of their dogs right so they don't have to buy cruella's property that she has to give up okay so there were also two live action films in the late 90s and early 2000s starring glenn close as cruella Deville. you could probably skip those though they kind of just make her look like a buffoon instead of a scary mastermind but I don't know. These are the ones that, like, I remember the most because, like, they were real dogs. Like, they were, like, the dogs with jobs, like, little actor dogs. <laughs> they were so cute. Also, like, Glenn Close. Like, you don't skip anything with Glenn Close. I don't know, but I feel like they just make her seem less competent than I think she deserves to be. That that was my take on kind it. Kind of. I I, I mean, got it. I got it. She's a successful businesswoman, and I'll yeah. give her that side of things. But when it comes to like the hijinks, she's just—it's very silly, and it's fine. It gives me like Home Alone vibes, like with the the henchmen. Yeah, I think they get like tricked by the puppies sometimes. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's definitely a movie for children. Absolutely, like you can tell. But it's it's still fun. I mean, skip it. Don't do you. Finally, there's the 2021 prequel adaptation called Cruella. So that one follows in the vein of Maleficent, where we get a previously untold origin story for a villain. So we're going to be using that film to help kind of frame our argument for why Cruella's uh, actions are, if not redeemable, at least kind of understandable and something that we can empathize with. Cruella stars Emma Stone as Estella Miller, later Cruella DeVille, Emma Thompson as the Baroness, so two amazing Emmas in that. Mm-hmm. Joel Fry as Jasper and Paul Walter Hauser as Horace. It also features Kirby Howell Baptiste and Kay Van Novak as Anita and Roger. They are the owners of the Dalmatians in 101 Dalmatians. They have, yes. I mean, Anita has a, a decent role in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Roger is just like there for the sake of being like, oh, where's Roger? Here he's, he is. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's there to be like, hey, this is a prequel, but you know where we're going with this. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's an Easter egg in, in lawyer form. Mm-hmm. So Cruella shows us Estella Miller's path to becoming a fashion designer, Cruella DeVille. It highlights how Cruella is sweet and loyal at her core, despite her wicked nature. 
We get Cruella's backstory here, including her early childhood, how she knows Anita, her mother's death, and exactly why she's not a fan of Dalmatians as a breed. So the film starts in 1964, where we see Estella as a creative child with an eye for fashion. She was born with black and white hair and is bullied for it. Like legit, like one side of her hair is black, one side of her hair is white. Um, But she pushes back repeatedly and gets herself into trouble all the time because she's kicked out of school. But like, I feel like she doesn't get herself into trouble. Her her school is like, oh, you're being bullied, but like we're going to make you the problem. Right, because she pushes back against the bullying. Yeah. Oh, you shouldn't fight back. Oh, that's not how ladies behave. Oh, blah. Like, no. Yeah, no, it was it is a problem. So her mother, Catherine, decides to move them to London. But along the way, she has to stop at Hellman Hall. This is the mansion that we later find out is owned by the Baroness. Catherine was stopping to ask for money to help them in their move. Like... They're broke. Yes. Two of them. Yes. Catherine dies after she's attacked by three Dalmatians and falls over a cliff. Estella, now orphaned, runs away to London where she befriends Jasper and Horace, a couple of street urchins. I love that. I love that phrase, street urchin. I don't know why. It reminds me of um, Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin. I think he calls himself that. And then it's just like street rat. Or what is Mm -hmm. it called? Yeah, he calls himself like a... Yeah. That's just... Oh. Street rat? No, someone calls him a street rat. He does. He says, some, some Riff raff street, street rat. rat. Yeah. I don't buy that. Yes. That's it. We got Aladdin. There. I mean, you didn't ask me, but that's my favorite Disney movie is Aladdin. It's, it's top tier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's met, met these street urchins. And then at this point, she also dyes her hair red to blend in. I guess she's trying to like avoid some authorities because... I don't know, she's afraid of what she did at the Baroness's mansion or she just doesn't want to be caught by the police. It's easier to blend in as a redhead than as someone with half black, half white hair when you're 12. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. The film then jumps ahead to 1977 where Jasper helps Estella get a job at the Liberty Department store. She's made a janitor and not really able to demonstrate her skills in fashion. But one night, she drunkenly redecorates a window display, which is noticed by the Baroness, a high-end fashion designer, who offers Estella a design job at her fashion house. After gaining the Baroness's confidence, Estella notices that she's wearing the necklace that Estella's mother had given her, and that she subsequently lost the night that her mother died. Estella makes a plan with Horace and Jasper to retrieve the necklace. Enter Cruella. Estella's alter ego who distracts the Baroness while the other two grab the necklace. Things don't really work out exactly as planned, but Cruella steals the spotlight with her fashion and rises to fame, which only infuriates the Baroness even more. During the chaos of attempting to steal the necklace, we learn that not only did the Baroness's dog kill Estella's mother, but the Baroness actually sicked the dogs on Catherine. Oh, um, and in the present day, one of the Dalmatians swallowed the necklace. So, like, that's why Cruella initially steals the Dalmatians. And in a later scene, she's seen wearing a fake Dalmatian fur coat as kind of a nod to the fact that she dognapped the Baroness's three dogs. The Baroness sets fire to the place where Estella, Jasper, and Horace live and leaves Estella to die. But she's saved by the Baroness's valet, who shares the truth of her birth story with her. After learning the truth, which we'll discuss more in a bit, Estella slash Cruella decides it's time to take the Baroness down. She and her friends come up with a plan that reveals the truth to everyone and exposes the Baroness's true nature. And finally, to tie it back to the original book and film adaptations, in an end credit scene, Cruella gifts a Dalmatian puppy each to both Roger and Anita. 
They are Pongo and Perdita. So like we said, we're going to be focusing primarily on this version, the 2021 Cruella, as we look at the perception of other characters. But before we delve into that, we'll do a quick assessment of how she's perceived in the animated film. So we don't have a lot of perspectives on who Cruella is in the 1961 animated film, but we do have Roger and Anita and Horace and Jasper's takes. So Roger is clearly not a fan. Like he wrote a whole diss track about her with lyrics like, if she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. Somehow this becomes a big radio hit after she's arrested and it makes him tons of money. Um, at Cruella's expense, of course. Like, where are her royalties? I'm sorry. Like, he, he doesn't even yeah. change the name. <laughs> no, he sh- she should absolutely sue. Like, listen, I that's how she gets the puppies, because she sues him for everything that he's worth, and she wins, because you're not going to put my name in a song, my real name in a song, and call me evil. Absolutely not. Like, here's my lawyer. <laughs> we'll handle this. Get those puppies ready. Or the cash equivalent of 101 puppies. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anita tries to be kind. She was Corella's schoolmate and seems to understand that there's more to her than just like a cranky, snobby woman who loves furs. But at the same time, she doesn't really enjoy her company. Right. Fair. <laughs> Fair. So Horace and Jasper are basically just her henchmen. They're hired to do a job and they're generally afraid of Corella. Yeah, they don't seem to have any other connection to her. Like nothing's mm-hmm. established in that film. No. All right, so let's move on to how the characters in the film Cruella see and treat our title character. First, we'll start with Estella's adopted mother, Catherine. We do learn at some point in the film that that she is adopted. I, we didn't mention that in the summary, but that's what we learn. Spoiler uh, alert. Well, we spoiler alerted <laughs> them at the beginning, so there, yeah. you're in it now. <laughs> Catherine is seemingly very kind and devoted to her daughter. Even with all the lashing out that Estella does because she's bullied, her mother always seems to be on her side. So that was really nice, like in the scene in the school and the the headmaster's like getting after them and everything. The mom's just like, no, I've got her back. Yeah. So why is she being bullied? Well, of course, there's her hair. Estella's childhood is in is set in the 1960s and being born with hair that's half black and half white makes her a seemingly easy target for bullying. But Estella fights back and it leads her mom to removing her from the school that she's been attending just before the headmaster can expel her. It's actually a really cute scene. It is funny. <laughs> yeah. So the school, this school is where she met Anita, who quickly becomes her best friend. Like Anita's like... This chick is badass. We're going to be friends together. Let's do it. The two were close while in grade school, but only lost touch when Estella ran away to London. Once Estella makes her way to London, she meets Horace and Jasper. They're street urchins around her age, and they take to her pretty quickly and invite her to stay with them. The three live in an abandoned building, but make it their home and become a tight family unit. You can see in the film that there's a true admiration and love among the three of them. Jasper even helps Estella get the job at the department store so that she can become something better than a thief. But when her quote unquote Cruella personality takes over, she has only one focus and that's revenge at any cost. Jasper and Horace and their needs and well-being are pushed to the side. The pair even question their relationship with her and whether she values them as more than tools to help her exact revenge. This is a great moment that shows that love can only go so far, right? Mm -hmm. Horace and Jasper are literally on the verge of walking away from her when they are caught by the Baroness. Speaking of the Baroness, what are her thoughts on Estella slash Cruella? Because for the Baroness, these are two different people, at least initially. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back to when Estella was born. 
we don't know this from the start, but it eventually comes to light that Estella's birth mother is actually the Baroness. The Baroness who absolutely did not want any children. I mean, I can relate to that, but I don't relate to her actions after that. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, I don't know if you want to align yourself with her on this matter. Maybe nope. the puppies. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we want to think about this. This was in a time when maybe like abortion wasn't accessible or an option. And so I, I'm not she saying a rich lady. I feel like rich people always had the adopt the uh, abortion. You know option. what? You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I take that back. I take that back. Well, anyway, when Estella was born, uh, the Baroness's husband was away from home and the Baroness actually charged her valet with getting rid of the child. She told him, quote, you know what to do. Uh-huh. And even though he knew this was not what she meant, he gave her he gave the child to a maid who turned out to be the mother that Estella had known her whole life. So right from the start, we know the Baroness had zero interest in the child. I know that it's like a Disney movie, so they have to be vague. But like, you know what to do and handing someone a baby is like, ma'am, this could be anything. Like, what do you what do you mean? Like murder wouldn't be the first thing that I would think of. Like, you know what to do. Like, Well, and that's why I love that he brings that back to her. He's like, I didn't think you meant this. <laughs> yeah, because like, why? He's like a grown, normal human man who wouldn't be like, oh, I guess she wants me to kill this. Like, that's insane. Like, it's, it's a baby. I don't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it worked out well, because fast forward to the 1970s, where the Baroness discovers Estella and takes her on as the designer of her fashion house. She sees the potential that this young woman has, and she takes off, takes on like a mentor type of role in her life. That's until she learns the truth and until she's confronted by Estella for killing her adoptive mother. At that point, the Baroness considers her, nof- considers her nothing more than a liability and decides to push her over the same cliff where her mother had died, a.k.a. where she sicked her dogs on Catherine as to not be held liable for the murder. Right. It wasn't me. The dogs did it. It was a tragic accident. And then, of course, there's the Baroness's perspective on Cruella, right, as opposed to Estella. When she realizes that Cruella and Estella are the same person, there's a bit of admiration there, but mostly jealousy. Side note, we know that we live in an era where stories about women supporting women and hopefully much of the real world is about that as well. But this story takes place in the 1970s where a woman in a particular industry meant that you could be like the one and Mm -hmm. therefore you had to take down anyone else. Like there could be no competition. Like, yeah, you were the one who did this. And if someone else came up, it was like, oh, no, you're automatically in my competition because of our gender. Exactly. Exactly. So even without Cruella's revenge plot against her mother's murderer, there is still the aspect of competition between the two women that that plays into the story. So this leads up to what Cruella thought of herself. Throughout the scenes of Estella's childhood, we have a voiceover from Cruella. We see that she always knew that she was different from others and wanted to do something with that. Uh, And her adopted mother always allowed her to see the possibility for that success. But after her mother died, her views on herself changed and she had no one to really tell her otherwise. In one voiceover moment, she says, sad story, genius girl turns into stupid girl who gets her mother killed and ends up alone. Here we're meant to see that she believes that she is to blame for the circumstances because she couldn't simply listen to what her mother said and stay in the car. It is her fault that her mother is dead. I think that she does it. I think that she thinks that she doesn't deserve happiness or like good things because she like, quote unquote, killed her mother. So I feel like she's kind of like punishing herself. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Estella's motivation and agenda is to break into the fashion industry. And not just by cleaning toilets like she's hired to do at the department store, but to truly design high-quality fashion and as a way to prove to herself and her adopted mother that she really does have what it takes to make it. But Cruella's motivation and agenda is something more. Sure, the fashion element is still there. That's why we get all those amazing designs brought to life by Artie, the guy from the secondhand thrift, like, what is it? It's like a vintage clothing store, right? Yeah. Um, but it's primarily based on the revenge for her mother's death. She even states at one point that she, quote, was born brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. So we can see that she's buying into this whole nature over nurture thing. But uh, we'll come back to that in just a little bit. In the book by Dodie Smith, Corella is described as having half black, white, half black hair, half white hair, and showy, always wearing elaborate furs. She's described as more of a socialite than anything else. She was married, but not for love. She kept her own last name when she got married. He even actually took on her last name. Like, that's that's kind of the fun thing here, right? She's the last of her line. Um, yeah. So. so, like, it was really important to her because she was, like, the last of her lines so she wanted to keep her name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Cruella was odd, right? Uh, in the book, she doused all her food in pepper. For what reason, it is not clearly explained, at least not in my quick skimming. I was like, what is that? Why? Pepper is delicious. Um, it is delicious, but it's apparently so much that when one of the Dalmatian puppies like licked her, she burned because oh my god, her, her skin tasted like pepper. Um, and she was also said to have been expelled from school for drinking ink. And I was like, what? What does this mean? Right? Like, was it a euphemism for getting drunk? Was it like drinking? Like, ink had some sort of alcohol or poisoning in it and so she I, is I that an expellable offense well that's like, that's my that's weird for sure so i was like googling the hell out of this because i'm like this has to mean something in like mm-hmm. 1950s speak that like they weren't explicitly stating right but as i'm googling drinking ink like what does drinking ink mean one of the things that i came across was this racist image that's being held in like the Library of Congress. It's like an old image. Mm-hmm. And it was a black baby, very, very, um, what's the word? Caricature-esque. Yeah. Like the big lips and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, drinking, like there's a, an inkwell and like a, a tube running from the inkwell into like a pacifier. And so the baby is drinking from the inkwell and so like then i was like well what the hell does that mean and i don't know (laughs) but i was like this is a rabbit hole i did not mean to fall into and i don't know what is happening anymore (laughs) yeah you have to put the safe search on to get more information on that i feel like you're gonna end up on a list Uh, yeah i was like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna back right out of this right now (laughs) but i was like i don't know what that means i'm like very curious now Uh, yeah like this ink makes them like darker that was like that was the only thing i could think of is like do white babies drink milk and that's what makes them white and so the assumption here is that black babies drink ink but, like, I don't think this has anything to do with the novel. It just, like, ended up, like, how no, did I find it this? It just took you on a, a trip. I, I See, this is why 
racism is so stupid because what does that even mean like right wouldn't the equivalent of like white baby milk be like paste because that's white like if we're doing office supplies like that doesn't make any sense like <laughs> or would it be chocolate blue? milk like what what does that even mean like that makes zero sense no like, it's terrible it's racist it's horrific and like i get it being housed in like the library of congress blah 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 but at so the it's same like never time, forget <laughs> yeah how dumb and racist people were because this doesn't make sense and this is probably in some magazine and a bunch of like old racist people like chuckled at it and it's like you don't know what you don't know what you're laughing at this doesn't even make sense to you no it doesn't make sense to anyone no anyway moving on weird okay so back to Corella. so with this book's description of her we can see how Corella is definitely like odd right but her name gives away that she's also the villain she's a cruel devil right play on words mm-hmm. uh but it's more than that it's more than that she's like eccentric and odd at least until she hires some guys to like steal the puppies right yeah right it's just like oh weird lady that's that's her deal sure but i do have to note now a criminal (laughs) side note for me Mm -hmm. i don't think like as a child i ever put together that deville was devil like (laughs) i just i mean i probably watched that movie like twice when i was a kid but i was like yeah yep i was grown when i figured that out but i'm gonna i'm gonna excuse myself by saying i probably watched that movie when i was like seven or eight and then didn't watch it again until i was like 30 or something i I guess because of the song like it sounds like devil in the song yep listen you're way smarter than me for that kind of stuff it's all my ink drinking i'm so (laughs) smart oh my god (laughs) the ink that writes words you just like put all the you're like that's how i get knowledge i put all the words i become a genius yes so but let's move on to the uh disney animated version She's definitely scarier. She's definitely giving off, like, ghostly vibes from Mm -hmm. the very start. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, that was definitely true. I think it was, like, the green smoke from the cigarette, mostly. Like, that Mm -hmm. sort of air around her was really creepy. But I was not a fan as a kid. But the actress who voiced her, Betty Lou Garrison, was surprised by this reaction to Cruella. She loved playing her and never saw her as a frightening character. Okay, lady. (laughs) Betty, have you met a kid? Like, (laughs) calm down. Like... She was kind of menacing to look at. So right? and Betty's like, she was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> when the 1996 live action adaptation came around with Glenn Close as Cruella, audiences got more development out of the character. So, you know, we're, we're building her a backstory here. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still very much considered a villain, but she was more than just a thief in, in this version. Right. Close's adaptation of Cruella can be read as a bit of a feminist icon. And if you ignore the dog napping and the puppy skinning plots. I mean, which we admit is not easy to do. (laughs) Fair, but we're going to we're going to put them aside for a second. She is really kind of a bit of a second wave feminist character in a sense. Yeah. Like, like I think if you placed her today, like you would be like, oh, no, she's a boss bitch and we love her for it um she has a successful career as a high-end fashion designer she actively chose not to get married she is child-free by choice she's independently wealthy and she's unwilling to let anyone or anything stand in her way i mean those i don't see anything wrong with any of those qualities right (laughs) 
this could all make Close's Cruella more appealing than her animated or literary counterparts. In fact, in a 1996 interview, Close stated that she enjoyed playing what she called a, quote, ruthless villain. She said, I think Cruella basically has no redeeming human characteristics, except she does have a sense of humor, albeit wicked. She's a great character. She's gleeful in her evilness, and there's something very engaging about that. Okay, so Glenn Close doesn't think she's redeemable. So, like, who are we to suggest that she might be? Well, Kim and Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's who we are. (laughs) That's who we are. But we also still have another film and actually a prequel book that we haven't mentioned yet uh, that give us other insights. But, you know, we'll come back to that as well. We're, we're, we're cycling through. Yeah. So first I want to address that the idea of being drawn to villains is why we might enjoy Corella, even though people only see her for her wickedness, right? So according to Richard Keene, a professor of psychology at Converse College in South Carolina, who has studied the appeal of villains, we are drawn to Cruella in part because she's the character we're supposed to hate. Mm -hmm. He tells us, if society generally tells us that we should not root for a bad guy, then in effect, it's like a choice is being restricted, increasing the likelihood that you will start to like that character more. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I've been to, uh, I went to a panel at Comic-Con a few years back now like probably 2018 2017 I don't even know and in the panel they were talking about like villains and queer codedness right Mm -hmm. and how they are characters that a lot of queer kids might latch on to because they see their differences and and I think Cruella could absolutely fall under that category because she has this sort of fabulousness about her Mm mm-hmm If we look at Close's Cruella in her version of the film, it shows us that the character is someone capable of being incredibly glamorous. But liking the villain is not the same thing as finding a villain redeemable. So let's fast forward to 2020 and 2021. We are going to talk first about a, a book. It's called Evil Things, and it's by Serena Valentino. It's the seventh book in a Disney villain prequel novelization series, and this book was published in 2020. Basically, each of the books cover a different villain and kind of give their backstory, their origin story, um, just to kind of flesh out the characters a little bit more and, and present a different perspective. So the book centers on Cruella when she was younger, like, I think, give or take the ages 10 to 18. Uh, although it does extend to the start of the 101 Dalmatians plotline as well. In this book, we see how Cruella was raised and the impact that her materialistic and frequently absent mother had on her. We see that much of Cruella's evilness is a result of her mother. She desperately wants her mother's approval and mimics her mother's spoiled and rude behaviors in order to get this approval. And while her mother brings out the worst in Cruella, her friendship with Anita shows us that she does have a good side as well. She cares about her friend and is willing to stand up for those around her. This friendship brings out the best in young Cruella. The novella shows a Cruella who is desperate for love and approval and who doesn't even recognize the emotional abuse she suffers at the hands of her mother. It shares several tragedies that Cruella suffers throughout her life and depicts her descent into madness in a way that allows us to empathize with her. Finally, we're going to wrap up with Emma Stone's version of Cruella that we've discussed uh, earlier in the episode. Right, Cruella was released in 2021, and here we're presented with one of the most sympathetic portrayals of the character of Cruella DeVille. Here we get the version of Cruella that is an up-and-coming yet misunderstood fashion designer with a tragic past. 
So, sure, Corella lies and steals, but much of this is for survival reasons since she's an orphan living in an abandoned London flat. We can feel for her character who needs to lie and steal for survivor, right? Like, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like, she's doing what she needs to do to get by. Right. You can't she's, starve. You can't yeah, just, like, yeah. you need food and for you mm-hmm. and your dog, Buddy. Yes. And she's pretty relatable, trying to work her way up in her dream job as a fashion designer by getting a cleaning by getting a job cleaning bathrooms in her favorite department store. I mean, most of us have been there. Most of us have like done the grunt work to try and get to like, you know, the end game of like your dream job. Right. Yeah. In some form or another. Mm-hmm. So when Corella's behavior escalates to grand larceny and even heart wiring a car, we kind of get how she got there right like it's not just we open up the movie scene and this woman is stealing a car we're like these are all the circumstances that led her to feeling like she needed to hotwire a car and besides they've given her a revenge storyline in this film she's just trying to get payback for her mother's murder that doesn't make her a villain does it by presenting Cruella as Estella, she's much more sympathetic. And even learning the origin of the name Cruella is relatable to some degree, right? Her mother coined the name for moments when Estella would act out as a young child, reminding her that she should be kind and patient to others. This kind of makes her Cruella persona something like an alter ego or perhaps even a split personality. It also reflects a parent's fear of what will happen to their child if they don't conform to societal norms. And I think there's this bit, too, where it's like, I'm trying so hard to make my child into something that they push back and become something that I was trying to prevent them from becoming. Right. Like you can't force a hand in that regard. Mm -hmm. Estella the child is creative. She's an outsider. She deals with bullying. Again, all really relatable. She even loves dogs and takes in a stray named Buddy. He's so cute. He is cute. So how could she possibly become a villain? What turns her into Cruella from the 101 Dalmatians? Well, it's not the fur, right? Like, of the over 40 costumes that Emma Stone wears in the film, not a single one involves fur. Mm-hmm. Although she does make an outfit that pays homage to Dalmatian spots in an attempt to get the Baroness to think she killed the dogs. But as Disney states in their production notes, in this film, the character Cruella does not in any way harm animals. So perhaps this was like a retcon redemption, or perhaps it's not in line with Disney's 21st century production choices. Who knows? But it certainly makes Cruella a little less hateable. So we have to imagine that Almost all of the audience would have struggled with empathizing with a dog killer. Right. And right. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't actually kill dogs in any movie. No, but the motivation. Yes. The motivation is there. The motivation is absolutely there. She she does kill some cats, which I learned about (laughs) today for the first time. So (laughs) that's also terrible. But like, if I'm being honest, I'm like. I feel worse about the dogs than the cats. I don't know what that says about me. I don't. I, cats have terrorized me my whole life. So, and and again, I think because we are specifically like when we did Ursula, we didn't mm-hmm. look as much at the fairy tale version of Ursula the Sea Witch. We focused primarily on the film adaptation and and um, like the prequel Little Mermaid thing. Yeah. Right. So here, while we did share the the plot line of the novel, we are focusing on this new backstory version of Cruella more so. Yeah. Yeah. 
So not everyone is a fan of de-villainizing a character like Cruella, however. According to Time Magazine critic Stephanie Zacharak, in her review of the film, she says, villains are no longer enigmatic, exciting, cautionary figures. She also adds that among our fictional bad guys, reason has reason have taken the place of glorious naked id. In other words, we want to know what makes the villain tick. We want them to have a depth and reason for their action. It's not enough for many to have a villain who is just plain evil for the sake of being evil. And for Zacharach, it's not always a good thing. I don't know, Stephanie. I feel like I like depth. I like villains. I want to know their backstory. I feel like villains for the sake of villains is lazy writing. So any villain who might have a point is very compelling. I always think of Black Panther um killmonger had a point like mm-hmm. sometimes vi- thanos had a point like Even sometimes villains, yeah right yeah there's there's yeah. a lot and and there's a lot of marvel just now but yeah. yes <laughs> yeah i i i think i would agree with you on this one as well that like and villains for the sake of villains maybe it's lazy maybe it's just overdone Right? Like, we've had villains. Yeah. The, the world is not black and white. I was just about so to I say that. So I don't want the villains or my heroes to be black mm-hmm. and white. Like, I like flawed villains. I like yeah. redeemable villains. Oh. Yeah. Flawed heroes. Flawed heroes. Redeemable. Yeah. Like, the world is not just this is good and this is bad. Like, we're we're past that. It's not the 50s anymore. Like, you need to have more depth in things. Right. Like, or it's just boring. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Uh, one thing about this film, however, is that it is impossible, at least for me anyway, to imagine how Cruella becomes the Cruella from 101 Dalmatians. Like, if they were to do a follow-up film, like, how does she get to the point where she goes from, like, adopting a dog out of a dumpster and, like, working with dogs and, like, adopting these Dalmatians to, I want to kill puppies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I mean, her storyline here makes sense, but to me, I would consider it more of like an AU version, right? An alternate universe version of Cruella's story rather than a prequel. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I, that makes sense. Uh, they're supposed to make a sequel in 2025. I'd be very interested. I feel like with the writer strike and everything, it got backed up a year. So I wonder if people are just going to be like, how are we going to do this? Like... I mean, it, ma- it made sense that she didn't like Dalmatians because of, like, the murdering of her mom. But, like, even by the end of that film, like, she comes to love those dogs, too, and she adopts them. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we get how do we get there? Yeah. You know, like... I'm very curious and, to see how they do yeah. it if they are making that sequel. Unless you're going to flip the villains, but you've already established Roger and Anita as good people. But, like, maybe it's like, oh, actually, they were terrible and she was stealing the puppies back because they were going to be weird about it. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be excited to see them do it. I just don't know how they would or if it's even necessary. I mean, more redemptions also always necessary, right? So like, and I like Emma Stone and stuff, so I'd watch it. Let's wrap it up and let's play Deville's advocate here. <laughs> yes. So, what's the matter with killing dogs for fur anyway? 
Yeah, right? <laughs> Big statement. Okay, so we're not really advocating Our podcast for that is here, canceled. <laughs> right? Someone just heard that and like called the police and like now we're shut down. <laughs> so we're not advocating for like killing dogs here. But if it's okay to kill pigs and chicken and cows for meat and deer, like why not dogs? And if it's okay to have leather shoes, purses, jackets, why not fur? I, the answer generally boils down like horses into glue get it (laughs) is that actually true is that how they make glue i think they used to i don't it's not how they do it now i don't gelatin right it's like hooves hooves or something yeah Yeah, that's fucking crazy but But they used to always talk about the horse going to the glue factory when they died but i don't think that they always who were you talking to Did you have a horse and it was threatened constantly? I'm like, what are we talking about? I wish about? I had a horse. No, that's something I read about in like old books, I guess. But okay. I don't think it's a thing that happens in 2024. Is that I what feel like working? if you asked like a 14 year old, hey, do you to take your, I'm going to take your horse to the glue factory. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to try it. I'll ask my do students. <laughs> um, anyway, but the gen- the answer generally boils down to animals that are cute and fuzzy pets are not okay to kill, but those that are livestock are. And we're not... I feel like that's like a real Western thinking because there are countries that like literally eat dogs. Are there? Is that real there, or is that so just there a was rumor? A dog, no, that was, there was a dog trade. Um, I, I know about it because we were looking to adopt a dog and we wanted to adopt a dog from this dog trade. And the dogs were all named like Korean dishes. And I was like, that feels like it's a bit a bridge too far uh, for this like this thing. But they were like saving them from the the meat trade. So they're not allowed to do it anymore. But like they did in parts of like Korea, like there were meat trade for dogs. Okay. Okay. But I think it got disbanded. It's definitely frowned upon, if not illegal. But there are definitely animals that like, like rabbit, for example, where some people keep them as pets and some people like eat them. Or turtles. Guinea pigs um, in like South American countries. That was traditionally a thing. You know, there's there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of examples of that. And the question is, where do we draw the line, right? Like, we're not vegans. Hell, we're not even Mm -hmm. vegetarians here. I just have a husband who is one. So, like, maybe we're not the ones to ask, but I do think it's a question worth worth asking, right? Like, why is it acceptable to eat and or wear some animals, but not others? And I think that's that's part of this story, too. It is. Um, I went to New Orleans last year. Last year? Year before last? Um, and, like, turtle soup is a thing there. And it's made with, like, snapping turtles. And I was super excited to try it from like this restaurant that's like really notable for making it very well. And the friends that I went with were fucking shocked. And I was like, what is like it's you guys have tried like the weird like chicken livers, like the weirdest food, like alligator, like what's wrong with turtle? And it turned out they both had pet turtles. And I was like, oh, shit, sorry. As I ate there, I sat there eating my turtle soup in front of them and they were (laughs) horrified. But it was so good but that's it it right really good and i was like well i don't have a strong relationship with the turtle so it didn't bother me would you if i like ate rabbit if we went out to dinner and i ate rabbit that that i used to have a rabbit and it wouldn't bother me that's what i I was wondering yeah i just wonder like what's the line like i guess the line is like personal right Mm -hmm. and like dogs cats you can't eat those like those are your pets they live in your home but like people eat chicken all the time and people have pet chicken so like 
Yeah. I, I think it's the cuteness factor. If it's really cute. And like snapping turtles are notoriously vicious and mean. So Yeah. Well I didn't snapping feel bad turtles are probably they probably didn't have snapping turtles for pets, did they? They just had like little no. turtles. <laughs> like Yeah. I was like, that would be horrific. Like, <laughs> why would you do this yourself? Okay, so let let's move on. So let's focus on Corella herself and the issues that she dealt with throughout her life and what they might have meant for her. And of course, a little bit of a reminder here that this is a fictional character, not a real person. So we can play with these themes a little bit more and like justify them um, differently than if it was a real person with real consequences right. or something. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about abandonment. So in the book, we learn that Corella is the last surviving member of her family. Hence why she kept her last name and her husband took her name instead of his own. So, like, what's the story here? So, apparently, years before Hell Hall, where the kidnapping, where the kidnapped puppies are being held, was actually called Hill Hall, but it became known as Hell Hall after an ancestor of Corella's brought bought the property, and like weird things started happening. <laughs> Villagers were frightened by the owner, presumably Corella's grandfather, particularly after a rumored night involving a thunderstorm in which the lightning appeared to be coming not from the skies but from Deville himself. So we could argue that the original, the original version, she was abandoned to madness in her family. And I'm trying to like wonder how that lightning, like, was this guy actually being struck by lightning and like <laughs> in shock? And then like the villagers, like he was screaming and they're like, oh no, that lightning's coming from him. Not like he's being electrocuted. Like what, what is the reality? I feel there? like <laughs> the term villagers always just mean like nosy ass people trying to get somebody else in trouble. Like there's never been like a good group of villagers. Like they're either trying to like with pitchforks burn down your house or like it's this mass hysteria. Like villagers judge you for just wanting to read a book. Right? <laughs> you just want to walk through your streets and read a book and they're like, she really is odd. And it's like, leave me alone. Or they're trying to, you know, like, destroy the monster you created because he maybe wasn't a monster. Mm -hmm. Villagers are a problem. That's that's the moral of the story here. Villagers, red flag. <laughs> if we look at the prequel book, Evil Things, uh, the abandonment comes from the mother who continuously leaves Cruella alone and is dismissive of her daughter every time that she sees her. After Cruella's father dies in this version, she feels as though she has no one left. And finally, in the Cruella film, Estella is first left alone due to the death of her mother and then later learns that she's been abandoned by her birth mother, the Baroness, immediately after she was born. Double trauma. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Double trauma. Uh, so feelings of abandonment, whether intentional or not, can follow a child throughout their life and well into adulthood. It can lead to coping mechanisms that are not the most healthy. And in fiction, it can lead to the creation of a villain. Next up, let's address poverty and wealth. So now again, in real life, poverty or wealth does not make someone inherently good or evil. But this is fiction, so there's often a connection between the two. Mm -hmm. In every version of the 101 Dalmatians slash Cruella story, with the exception of the 2021 Cruella, Cruella Deville is very wealthy. She's an heiress, she's a child of wealth, or a successful businesswoman. She's a woman with power and money, so naturally, she's a villain. And yeah, yeah, we know the puppies, the puppies. Okay. But like, again, let's put them aside for a moment and just consider how it's not a middle class housewife who's a villain. It's mm -hmm. the independently wealthy doesn't need a man, but sometimes wants one in as much as it will benefit her and doesn't have children woman. So obviously she's a villain. We did talk. What episode was that where we talked all about like it? I don't know. I think it was something else dealing with fairy tales. Where like the 
the childless woman is the enemy. Like mm-hmm. she's up to no good. You have to watch out for her. Like that's always been like a trope in in literature and in movies. Like it's always been like society's trying to tell you something. Yeah, yeah. Like, and even the stepmom isn't enough. She's still a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in Cruella, Ella starts out as a lower middle class girl. Her adopted mother even stops to ask for financial help when they are forced to move out of forced to move to London. We have sympathy for her here because we see where she came from and how she's trying to find her way in the world. Again, super relatable. Mm hmm. Young Corella or Estella, depending on the version, doesn't have a lot of guidance. In Evil Things, her father dies and her mother is never around. She thinks that love is shown through materialistic items. She has a governess and servants to help guide her, but her mother has basically raised her not to consider them at her level and to disregard anything that they have to say. Yeah, it's really sad, but um, well told. Uh, In Cruella, Estella's mother dies when she's only 12 years old, leaving her an orphan on the streets of 1960s and 1970s London. Her only guidance is her survival instinct at this point. Um, And and I guess maybe Jasper and Horace, but they're in the same boat that she is, right? They're orphaned. Mm -hmm. They're alone. They're just kids trying to survive. According to Cruella in the most recent film adaptation, my nemesis is my real mother and she killed my other mother. Sure, makes sense. And now she seeks revenge. Naturally, again, makes sense. But it's also used as the main explanation for how Cruella became Cruella. It was nature, not nurture. But was it? So Cruella tells us, I'm not sweet Estella. Try as I might. I never was. I'm Cruella. Bold, brilliant, born bad, and a little bit mad. For the first 12 years of her life, we see that she repeatedly acts out. She speaks without thinking about the feelings of others. Honestly, though, like what 12 year old doesn't do that? Exactly. (laughs) Uh, 12 year olds, middle schoolers are terrifying. Uh huh. Uh huh. And she fights back against her bullies. I mean, again, good for her, like, especially Mm -hmm. in the 1960s. Also, we see that her adoptive mom tries to train these behaviors out of Estella. It is her mother, in fact, who comes up with the moniker Cruella for those times where Estella is unable or unwilling to conform to societal norms and expectations. But even when Estella moves to London and starts her life with Jasper and Horace, we see that Estella is generally good, or at least or at least she aims to be. She wants to work for the fashion industry and is even willing to work her way up from the literal bottom. Mm-hmm. She tries to follow the prescribed path, but quickly realizes that the path is pretty much bullshit. The guy from the department store is never going to give her an opportunity to move up in the industry because he's miserable. Oh. He is absolutely miserable in that movie. He he's such a joke. the worst, like, most sycophantic, disgusting... Middle management. Mid- middle management. Yeah. yeah. Estella claims that she's just evil because her birth mother, the Baroness, is... But there's more to it than that, right? She actually establishes a relationship with the Baroness before she learns of their connection to one another. This is a sort of mentor-mentee relationship. From the Baroness, Corella learns that to be successful in the fashion industry, she needs to be a little bit cruel, narcissistic, and have drive. She learns to do whatever it takes to be number one because there is no number two. And she falls into the trap of following that path because she sees the success that the Baroness has compared to Catherine, who died when she was young and like died poor. Like Mm -hmm. she didn't have anything but love in her heart. And I don't think that that Estella like thought of themselves like thought of her and her mom as poor, because, again, when you're a kid, you just you just live, you exist. Mm -hmm. There's not a comparison like, yeah, she recognizes that they didn't have the glitz and glamour that the Baroness did, but. It wasn't mm-hmm. like she thought, oh, 
my mom should give me these things and she doesn't because it's all her fault. I don't think so either. No, I don't think so either. But the nurturing side that she received as a young age does not seem to be enough to prevent her from seeking revenge at her later age. Mm -hmm. Or is it because of that? Because of the life that was like robbed from her? Maybe. That's another like way of looking like, at it. She could have like be having tea every Saturday morning with her mom and like going over fashion designs and she didn't get that. So like the revenge is stronger. That's fair. That's fair. Krilla's motivation in the film could be seen as the death of a parent like you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. However, she doesn't become the feel good hero we expect from a fictional account of orphanhood, right? Like, oh, Spider-Man's uncle dies and he becomes a hero or, you know, whatever. His name is Uncle Ben. Didn't I say Put his? some respect on his name. His name is Uncle Ben. <laughs> okay. So sorry. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> this is a Spider-Man household. <laughs> yeah. In this house, we respect all the Spider-Men. Yes. Um, but Estella, Cruella... She has another motivation, and this is a motivation mm-hmm. for success, a motivation to become something. She is an anti-hero, right? Because she doesn't go about it in the same way that a typical hero would. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we can really consider her a villain in the same way that she's portrayed in the original book or the earlier films when we look at this adaptation. You know, like I said, besides, in this version, she doesn't even want to kill the puppies. All right, so final thoughts, takeaways. I really like the idea of having like a fleshed out villain. If I'm going to hate someone, I need a stronger reason than because I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. I think puppy stealing aside, Glenn Coase's Cruella is pretty badass. Like everything we said about her being like an independent businesswoman, like having no kids, like having like being independently wealthy. Like that's for the time that it came out, mind blowing, right? Like that's not something that happened often. Like, Women of the 90s finally, like, doing it for themselves. Like, I love that whole idea. And I love this, Corella. I'm very excited to see what they do with it. I di- like, again, I didn't know about the cat drowning stuff, so that <laughs> kind of rubs me the wrong way. But I think there's so much more. I'm glad we covered her, because I think that there's so much more to her than just failed puppy thief. Right, right. And that's it. I think most people's thoughts on it are based on the 1961 animated film, I mm-hmm. would love it if any of our listeners out there have actually read the book because the cat drowning thing only appears in that version. Okay. I, I, it was not in anything else, right? So I think most people's like mentality of her comes from that version of the film. And yeah, they, they don't really give us anything to work with there. She just shows up one day and wants to steal puppies. But like, mm. why? And it's not until we get the backstory either in Evil Things or in Cruella, where we see that there are a lot more circumstances that led her to this place. And again, she's fictional. We, yeah. can, we can redeem her in a way that like, we might not otherwise in real life. Like I said, we're, we're looking at just the book or the animated version. I would only see the villain as well. But I, I think that's something great about the modern retellings of the stories. They give us a chance to delve more in more deeply into these characters. So unlike Stephanie Zacharek, I'm not satisfied with villains who just are. I want to know what makes them tick. That's kind of what you're saying Mm -hmm. here, right? And you may choose not to redeem Cruella, but I think she's less of a villain and more of an anti-hero. She kind of reminds me of uh, Harley Quinn in that sense. Mm, Yes. 
whom we love on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some resources and references. If you want to dive deeper into Cruella de Vil, we got a bunch of films and books to recommend. So 101 Dalmatians by Dottie Smith, 101 Dalmatians, the 1961 animated feature, 101 Dalmatians, the 1996 no, yeah, 1996 live action adaptation. That's the one with Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. Evil Things by Serena Valentino. Of course, the Cruella 2021 live action AU slash prequel film uh, starring Emma Stone. Uh, and then we have a few articles that you could check out or videos. The first is Was Cruella DeVille Right? 101 Dalmatians Misunderstood Disney Villain. That's on YouTube. Cruella's Changing Perception from Spoiled Socialite to Rising Fashion Star, written by Sarah Barr. And Does Cruella Redeem Disney's Greatest Villain? And Should It? by John Boone. So thanks for listening. Let us know what you thought of this episode. We'd love to hear from you. And we're open to suggestions for women, real or fictional, that we should cover in the future. Follow the podcast on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter and TikTok, but mostly we post on Instagram and Blue Sky. We're mm-hmm. at Big Rep Pod on Blue Sky and at Big Reputations Pod on Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. So we're basically on all of the pop, the podcast platforms. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, and those who are just a little bit mad. Subscribe and be notified when our new episode drops. And be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and help others find us. And if you purchase any of our Big Reputations merch, be sure to take a picture and tag us in it. The Redbubble link is in the show notes, as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. As we mentioned in the end of the year episode, we're going to be releasing one one Big Reputation each month. So as a bonus, we'll be sharing some of our favorite Patreon-exclusive little reps throughout the year. But if you want more bonus content, this year's Patreon has you covered. In addition to our Little Reps episodes, we'll also be talking about films, in particular films that one of us has watched and wants the other to check out. And for just $5 a month, you have exclusive access to all of it. This month's Little Rep is on Tallulah Bankhead. Stick around after the episode for a little teaser. All right, let's wrap this episode up. Kim, what quote do you have for us for our first episode of 2024? So it's from Cruella DeVille herself. Anyway, mustache, much to avenge, revenge, and destroy. And as always, believe women. So this Doom book focused on those who broke the moral code on and off camera. Tallulah Bankhead, who loved her autonomy. Why did I want to say anatomy? I mean, she probably loved that too. And good for her. (laughs) Uh, She loved her autonomy. She spoke openly about her bisexuality and she cursed like a sailor. She was ripe for this list. Absolutely. She also talked about her affairs with other famous women like Greta Garbo, Hattie McDaniel and singer Billie Holiday.